Boston University School of Law, recognized for excellence in legal education since 1872. It's the faculty. It's the students. It's the curriculum. It's the inspiration. Preparing students for the real-world practice of law today. Join host Dan Ray, BU Law alum and WBC 1030 radio host in Boston for this edition of the BU Law Podcast. Well, welcome to today's edition of the Boston University Law School podcast. I am the aforementioned Dan Ray. I'm your host today. First, some background information about me. Uh, I am an attorney here in uh, Massachusetts, a Boston University Law School graduate. Very proud of my law school, my alumnus, my alum, I should say, a longtime broadcast journalist at WBZ Television and also WBZ Radio 1030, News Radio 1030. I've covered countless court cases on the local, state, and national level, and I currently host a talk show. Uh, every Monday through Friday night on WBZ Radio, which is uh, heard at 1030 on the AM dial or at WBZ.com. If you're listening, if you can't pick us up on air, you can get us up on the web. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, some new developments in the law that make public service more affordable to graduates with loans and how more and more law students and graduate students, as well as undergraduate, turning to government and public interest work. I have two guests. My first guest is Maura Kelly. She's the Assistant Dean of Career Development and Public Service at Boston University Law School. Welcome, Maura. Thank you, Dan. Glad to be here. And we are joined also by Cheryl Constantine. She's the Associate Director of Financial Aid at Boston University School of Law. And everyone knows, um, Cheryl, that law school is an expensive proposition, whether you take the three-year accelerated course that uh, most uh, law schools, including Boston University, offer, or sometimes people take uh, the the part-time course at night. Uh, Boston University does not offer that, uh, but there are a lot of law schools where people can take four or five years uh, to actually finish law school. And welcome to you, Cheryl. Thank you. Maura, uh, let me start off with you. Um, it's obviously been a tough economy since well, since about September of 2008. Uh, and that certainly has affected uh, law firms nationwide. It's affected the job market for um, law students graduating. Um, how tough a job market is out there? Is it out there for the class of 2010? It's pretty tough, Dan. But the uh, interesting thing is students must be very optimistic because they keep applying in droves <laughs> to come to law school. Um, I'm, what, it, what seems to be happening is that, well, the large law firm market has shrunk in terms of student hiring. Um, the result has been, of course, that students have to find other jobs. So they are looking in more and more um, wide range of places. And that, for me, is a silver lining. Um, I believe that uh, the result of this will be a generation of probably better prepared and happier lawyers than we've seen in a while because they're going to look at a variety of possibilities. And I'm excited about that. I'm sure that during the go-go 1990s, many people were coming out of law school and uh, getting the uh, first-year uh, offers at big law firms in major cities. And, uh, you know, people were doing pretty well coming right out of law school. And now, uh, as they say, it's a little bit uh, more difficult. What are you hearing from students in this particular class of 2010? How um, how difficult a year was it? I remember when I was in law school, you, the uh, the major firms would come in. Sometimes the smaller firms would come in. The, uh, the various corporations would come in for interviews. Uh, the um, you know the you'd have a, a wide variety of, of opportunities to interview for jobs. At least that was the model that was used way back when in the dark ages when I graduated from law school. What are you hearing from students this year? Well, um, we definitely saw a drop in employers coming 
uh, to campus and not just Beulah, of course, all around the country. Um, the thing that I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard the same kind of thing, but I have to say that most students have approached this with kind of, I guess I'd say gusto. Um, some, of course, have been a little, um, uh, concerned and, and disappointed in the changes. But there's so many students who come in and say something like, you know what? When I applied to law school, I saw myself becoming a prosecutor, and I'm going to pursue that now. How can you help me get there? So that's the positive side that I'm seeing, or it may not be prosecuted, or you can fill in the blank, but students sure, say, whatever. you sure. know, and that's a really good attitude, and that's what I see for the most part. All right, Cheryl, let me let me get you in in this conversation. Um, there's there's uh, I, I guess a new um, federal uh, statute, and I and I believe it might even be related to some of the stimulus of money that has been uh, thrown around, which makes uh, public service more affordable uh, for graduates uh, who might be carrying some loans. What what can you tell us about this development and how it might help uh, the average law student who's now graduating or approaching uh, graduation maybe next spring? How how's it going to help them? Absolutely. Well, this legislation actually isn't as new as some people might think it is. Um, it was passed back in 2007, so the legislation actually predates the current economic difficulty that students are finding themselves in. Um, the legislation is called the College Cost Reduction and Access Act, and it includes two um, two options that can benefit law school students in particular quite a bit. Um, there is a repayment option called income-based repayment, or as we refer to it a lot, IBR, and a loan forgiveness program for um, public service employees. They just went into effect in 2009, so students... Um, are just beginning to become familiar with them. Recent graduates are just able to use them. So we're still learning a lot about these programs, but they can offer significant benefits to students who need more flexibility in their loan repayments. And it can really open up career opportunities to borrowers who have significant debt. So how does it work? Someone comes out of law school and let's say they're carrying, you know, $100,000 uh, in, uh, in loans. Maybe they even have some from their undergraduate days. Uh, they have this huge burden on their shoulders. If they elect to do something in public service, uh, some of that loan, maybe even a lot of that loan might be forgiven? It is possible. Um, the first thing they would do is look to see if income-based repayment would help them um, to lower their monthly payments. And income-based repayment isn't tied to a particular employment, but it could be used for someone who's going into public service. And that can help them along the way um, before they get to any amount of their loans being forgiven. Um, and then after they've been employed in public service for 10 years, the loan forgiveness for public service employees would kind of kick in at that point. And after a borrower has made 120 monthly payments, whatever's remaining on their loans could be forgiven. I see. So so not only might their loan principal on any given month be reduced based upon how much money they're making, and you're going to make maybe a little less money in a public service uh, capacity as an attorney as you might make in a, in a major law firm. But then if you stick with it for 10 years, uh, that's when the big payoff, uh, the big uh, reduction, if you will, uh, the forgiveness might occur. Is that a, a fair uh, a characterization? That is. That That okay. is the, I think, I believe uh, for the um, individuals who drafted the legislation, that was, I think, among their plans and then their hopes. Okay. 
So you so you're talking about a ten year commitment. What what sort of the wide spectrum? I assume of uh, jobs in public service that would qualify. Um, g- give us a few examples of the the type of jobs. Clearly, it wouldn't be working for the big law firm uh, in in the big white shoe law firm in New York, Boston, Chicago, or Los Angeles. But what are the type um, jobs uh, that would 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 qualify a graduate of law school? Uh, it, to begin to maybe get a little bit of relief here on the, the burden of, of the loans that they've piled up? It is a very broad definition. Um, and for a law graduate, the, the aspects or the particular types of employment that I usually highlight when I'm talking to students include government, and it's not specific to a particular type of government employment. So it could be federal, state, local, doesn't matter. So theoretically, you could be working as a clerk for the U.S. Supreme Court, or you could be working as a public defender um, in Bangor, Maine. Exactly. Well, exactly. that is that is a wide spectrum, and that's um, and that's not all. It would also include legal services organizations, um, specifically. It um, and my one of my personal favorites is um, in the legislation at the very end of the uh, description of eligible employment. It includes um, the phrase that allows any person working at a 501c3 organization, which is essentially any nonprofit organization incorporated under that. Oh, that's great. Um, so you normally wouldn't think of a 501c3 as a as a public agency, but clearly it's a, as a nonprofit. The remuneration that the lawyers might um, receive from a 501c3, by definition, will be a little bit less. Uh, recently, as I understand it, BU uh, Mora received a very high honor and was named uh, one of the top four schools in the United States for support a public service by national jurists. Now, what are some of the highlights of the BU Law School's public service program? This was really quite an honor, and I have to say that Dina O'Rourke really gets the credit. She's made significant uh, commitment over the past uh, five years that she's been dean. So we now have scholarships for students who demonstrate a strong commitment to public service. They're called our dean's public interest scholars. We have um, numerous events. If if my office alone, if we are um, having, say, 50 events a year, at least half of them involve public service uh, speakers, advisors coming in to work with students. We have a separate orientation for students who'd like to be engaged in public service, as well as a pro bono kickoff every year that helps students learn about that. There's a wide array from extracurricular um, part of our career office, as well as curricular opportunities for students. It's, it's quite impressive, and I'm really proud to be part of it. Well, that's great. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the pro bono programs on the other side of this break, but we're going to take a quick break and come back uh, with Maura and Cheryl to talk more about the growing trend of public interest work by law school graduates. Located in Boston and steeped in 138 years of rich tradition, BU Law is number one in teaching quality according to Leiter Law School rankings and number three in the nation for best professors according to Princeton Review. BU Law, admitting students regardless of race, religion, or gender since 1872 and training them to become leaders in the law. Visit the website and see for yourself at www.bu.edu forward slash law. 
Now back to the BU Law Podcast with host Dan Ray, a lawyer, a veteran Boston broadcast journalist, and BU Law alum. And welcome back to uh, today's edition of the Boston University School of Law podcast. I'm Dan Ray, and with me today is Maura Kelly. She's the Assistant Dean of Career Development and Public Service at the Boston University School of Law, as well as Cheryl Constantine, who's the Associate Director of Financial Aid at the Boston University School of Law. And uh, these are two very important uh, people in how a law school runs, and and BU runs very, very well. Uh, Cheryl and Maura, just before the break, we were talking about some of the uh, pro bono uh, Aspects and I'm familiar with them, but I'm sure uh, people in our audience uh, would love to hear about the programs that BU Law is offering, not only in the public interest arena, but also just pro bono programs as well. And also, I guess there's a semester in practice program. Yes, um, one you know we're, we have so many students interested in public service, and we they want to explore, and we really try to find as many ways as possible to have them learn and to get experience. So one of the first ways, beginning even one L a year, the first year, we uh, students can join the voluntary pro bono program. And it's great. This past year, more than 200 students took our pro bono pledge, and they volunteered in organizations all around the Boston area during the academic year. Some of it did uh, volunteered in their home states, around the world, and and all for the pro bono pledge. Uh, the dean also um, uh, sponsors a pro bono spring break trip program, and she's been doing this for the last four years. The school substantially funds it so that people aren't um, there. Everyone's able to participate. Um, their economic status will will, um, will not will not be a hindrance. So this past year we had trips to New Orleans. It was our fourth year. We went to Harlingen, Texas, where we did immigration work, and Detroit, Michigan, uh, working there on a variety of matters, Cambodia, working on the area of human trafficking, and Vermont. Uh, faculty and staff go with the students, and it's quite an amazing experience. Um, it's very exciting, and we also give awards to a faculty member each year for his or her um, uh, pro bono work, as well as an alumni. So that's great. We really try to build community. Students get um, a notation on their transcript that they've done the pro bono work and a certificate from the dean. It's really exciting. So then, you're, but that, that's a, a wide array. <laughs> New Orleans, I, I can imagine with New Orleans still uh, recovering from Katrina, because they've got another set of problems yeah. now. So I suspect you'll be going down to New Orleans, or at least <laughs> down to the Gulf Coast again. But yeah. uh, in Texas, Detroit, uh, I'm interested in Cambodia and Vermont. I, I guess I couldn't <laughs> think of two more disparate uh, places in the world. You know, the, Cambodia, you know, is, is a very, you know, poor and third world country. I'm sure they have a whole set of problems there that are totally different than whatever you're dealing with in, in Vermont. What were you doing up in Vermont, if I could ask? Um, we were trying to find a placement in northern New England because there's a lot of poverty in northern New England. And um, Vermont was one of, uh, uh, an organization in Vermont responded to our inquiries, and it was a public defender office there. So okay. we had uh, students working, and they wanted second and third year law students who could really do the substantive legal research. And they were up there. They were assigned each to an attorney. They wrote substantive motions to suppress evidence, motions to dismiss. Um, they had. A, they really contributed a lot to the office, and it was really great. 
Well, you know, here on the the Legal Talk Network, I'm sure you realize that there will be people all over the country uh, who, can, at their own pace, uh, can listen to the interview that we're conducting today. And uh, again, Cheryl and Maura, I'd like uh, to get uh, input from both of you, uh, maybe from your uh, respective positions. But what what sort of advice would you give either to um, law students or you know college seniors who are seriously thinking about law school or graduate students, uh, students who have graduated who are thinking about going into public service? Uh, what uh, give you a chance to give them a pep talk or, or a little guidance? And uh, maybe we'll start with you, Cheryl. Sure. Um, well, when when I talk to students who are thinking about coming to law school. I typically will tell them at the point where they're trying to figure out where to go that you really want to look at the scholarship money that's available and kind of follow the money, if you will, um, because schools do try do put a lot of support out that way. But strictly speaking, um, for someone going into public service with regard to what happens after you graduate, there are so many opportunities right now. Um, that are really exciting, and we're seeing much more financial support for graduates going into public service. Um, my only caution would be that these programs are all different, and they can get really complicated, and you really have to do your homework and rely a lot as on your financial aid offices because they do keep pay attention to these programs and, and keep abreast of all the changes. Well, that's great. Amora, a little uh, final word from you, maybe? My advice is go for it. Yeah. The substantive issues are just always do fast. it right, as the, as Nike would say, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> because it's you know it's endlessly interesting, and the impact on individuals for whom you're working, or society, and even the world, make the work so rewarding. And uh, you can make a decent living no matter what you may hear. So, I it's so important for lawyers um, and everybody in our society to get involved in service, but. As a lawyer, I really urge all students, no matter what they want to do for um, their livelihood, to include public service in it somehow. Um, just a quick uh, f- final question for me, and, and that is if someone uh, is interested uh, in pursuing public service through a, a Boston University Law School, what's, what's the easiest way for them to uh, get on track and start to get some information? Well, the best way um, would be to start with the admissions uh, office and website and look at the materials, and they can come for a tour. They could contact uh, me. They could contact uh, Cheryl, um, as well as the admissions office, and come into the building, talk to people, meet people. That's a great way to do it. We and, for also the, and for those who are a little further away, what's the, what's the best website to get them going? Um, the the, the uh, www.bu.edu and then uh, slash law. Go to the law school website. Oh, that's great. Um, again, I had uh, three uh, very uh, productive years there, and I, it, it is a law school that only seems to get better every year with every graduating class. I want to thank both of you. Maura Kelly, she's the Assistant Dean of Career Development and Public Service at Boston University School of Law, and Cheryl Constantine, who's the Associate Director of Financial Aid at the Boston University School of Law. You guys do a great job, uh, and I think the, the points that you made today are just so important that people can spend 
they can spend their entire career, their entire legal career doing public service work. And oftentimes people uh, make the transition from, from public service work uh, into, into, you know, the, the private sector aspect of practicing law, but it's a great way to start out. Uh, and I just want to thank both of you for participating and, and joining us today and providing us with all the information. And uh, of course, I always want to thank all of our listeners who take the time to listen to the Legal Talk Network broad, broadcast or podcast, I should say. You can find all the editions of Boston University Law on Legal Talk Network and the BU Law School website as well as in iTunes. So have a great day, everyone. Until next time, this is Dan Ray for Boston University School of Law and Legal Talk Network wishing you a, a wonderful day. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the BU Law Podcast with host Dan Ray. Check out what else is happening on campus at bu.edu forward slash law.